Hello, my name is Christopher. Welcome to Mornings of the Round Table. Today, we're going to talk about the conflicts and questions about Iran. Um, if you like what you hear, please continue to listen to us and give us your thoughts and prayers. Hey, good morning, guys. Drinking some coffee. What do we have for breakfast today, Chris? Oh, we had a baguette kind of diced up, and we had as a spread for in the middle of it um, was potato, eggs, cheese, uh, links, and also some vegan sausage. It was pretty. It was really good. Super tasty. I um, hope everybody liked it. It was delicious. Yeah. Um, so we're gathered. We're here to talk about. I almost said we're gathering here today. <laughs> um, we're talking about all the Iran issues. Um, we, since it was so, something that was going on right when we recorded our first episode, mm-hmm. we thought it'd be a good idea to then talk about, um, what we saw and maybe it'd be good for people to see different points of views or something they haven't thought of, or maybe if you're really afraid and you, um, agree with some of our views that so we can just be able to talk it out, think it through and maybe go away with a little bit more peace, understanding or whatever. And again, nothing that we say is is um, speaking for any group. Um, we're just talking about how we view things and what we think, what we believe through our faith, what could be better about the situation, or whatever. And so, yeah. Um, number one, what happened leading to these? Um, so where I think it started, and I could be wrong about this, was the um, attack on the U.S. Embassy years ago, they made it into a movie, and it was, someone mentioned this to me, I thought maybe it was a good idea, a good thought, um, that the attack on the embassy that happened a couple weeks ago, um, they didn't want the same attack to happen that happened years ago, which they made into that movie with uh, John Krasinski, 13 Hours. Um, uh what do you guys think of the events kind of started and what it led up to? I honestly don't really know if I fully understand what led to us. Um, I don't know if assassination is the best word to use, but killing off somebody in another country. Um, well, because on New Year's, New Year's Day, mm-hmm. it was just hit New Year's. The news comes on. We're hanging out playing board games. And then the TV comes on, and there was attack on the embassy. Or there was there was like riots going on out of the U.S. embassy. Mm-hmm. In so why Iraq. were there? Yeah, but why were there riots? <laughs> do none of do none of us know that answer? Well, because there was an unnecessary. Uh, attack that the u.s had killed some civilians oh that's right yes yeah yeah yeah. so they killed they like these these machines that they're using these drones whoever's operating them or whoever's being told to operate them at a certain level is very careless because we've been known to drop bombs and what we don't hear are the casualties that are involved like, when you drop a bomb or a drone missile in a territory where there's casualties, you have to identify right. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we started off with that airstrike 
Right, where people and then were led to the riot. Right, but I don't think that's where it's, the conflict started. I think the U.S. That's when it started. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I just think that, um, and let me be clear, I'm I'm an American citizen. I love America. Like the deepest core of me is American. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that does give me the right to criticize what American government's doing yeah. in the process. And I should have that right just like anybody else. Yeah. So when I'm saying these things, it's my own opinion, uh, but it's also exercising my freedom of speech. And what I'm saying is I think America has been very careless with their operations as far as getting involved into conflicts that they shouldn't be involved into. And also thinking that they have their justification in what they do. Um, when they dropped that bomb in the marketplace, they not only killed what supposedly they thought were terrorist cells, but they killed women and children. Mm. And so when the riots happening, they were, what were they asking in the riots? They were asking for... They wanted American embassy leave. out. Yeah, they wanted them to leave. Right. Which, I mean, there's marches that have been... A lot of people don't realize this, but... Um, this isn't the first conflict that Iraq, RN, has had with the U.S. Right. There have been many times where they have done things that were just terrible. Yeah. In the country has done civil marches. They've even gone, Iraq has even gone as far as going to the local government and telling them, we need to sign a decree to get U.S. out. Yeah. We don't need them here. Um, and, and have so been denied. Then... After the riots, the embassy, then that was what led to the assassination, correct? That was the next thing that we heard about? Um, I think there was a, a, a contract so, that was killed. Okay. A contractor that was killed. Okay, so a contractor was killed. And some people were wounded. They were American. Oh, that's right. It was an American that was... Um, Americans died. When the Americans died after that, then the assassination of Suleiman... Soleimani was activated. The plan was already done, like, months ago. Yeah, so apparently uh, Trump had approved that uh, assassination plan seven months prior, according to CBS, seven months prior to the actual day. Which is correct. I mean, no no president, I don't care who you are, you can be a good president, bad president, but you can't just be like, hey, this person needs to die. Like, there needs to be talk between other forms of government to do this action so it's not just trump's hand that's in it it's a couple it's other people's uh hand that are involved in this type of this type of killing so um it was already planned out it was just only activated so there was the airstrike the riots started happening at the embassy because they the people of iraq or was it iran or iraq i'm sorry it was Iraq. Iraq. They... Yes, and they were like, we want you out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, then some Americans had died. After that, there was the assassination. Mm-hmm. After the assassination, there was another airstrike, and 1,300 soldiers were sent to Iraq. To Iraq, yeah. And um, I think it was even more. But the Iraqis I think... voted to not have entry of the soldiers, but I don't Correct. know where that's at now. Um, I think they still went regardless. But the other thing, too, is we need to identify is that assassination, that general was from the Iran Revolutionary Guard. 
yeah. which Trump right, yes. had labeled as a terrorist yeah. group. Right. He was a general from Iran in Iraq. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after the soldiers were sent, then Iran... Iraq. Iraq uh, wrote the decree of right. you need to get your soldiers out. Right. But I thought Iran then missiled Iraq. Did Iran send missiles to Iraq? Yeah, they sent ballistic missiles to supposedly American stations in Iraq. But nobody uh, did anybody... Were there, I, I there was 11 casualties, either. but they weren't dead. They were like minor... Well, I wouldn't. Sh- I shouldn't say minor, but there were... Someone, the 11, like 11 people got wounded. And then after that, it seemed kind of like Trump, uh, President Trump with Iran had reached a point where they're like, okay, we're going to negotiate, we're going to calm down and we're going to stop shooting each other constantly because it was like it was a solid like week or two where it was just mm-hmm. constant airstrikes from both sides attacking Iraq yeah. from Iran and America World War 3 was trending on Twitter yeah. so Yeah, well the there thing so is, is like and there were so many memes. Yeah, but it it just blows my mind that these it was actually happening on a different area. Like you you're from Iran, you're from America. Right. But now you're going to go ahead and do a battleground in it's Iraq. someone else's home. And it's an already unstable yeah. area. And they're like, get out of here. This yeah. is not our problem. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, we're not involved. The yeah. fact that you assassinated a foreign uh, government general in our land, that's, I don't know how low you can go as far as that goes. So, just to go over the events one last time before we get into our questions. Um, there was an airstrike in Iraq. Uh, riots started happening uh, at the U.S. Embassy. Um, after those riots started happening, some Americans had died. After that, there was a, seemed to be an, a retaliation to the assassination of Soleimani. Then there was a second airstrike on Iraq. U.S. soldiers were sent, uh, 1,300 or more. After that, Iran had missiled Iraq with some um, minor casualties. Um, or minor situations, minor damages yeah, to American citizens, I, I and then think. negotiations were made to then calm down and see what you know, whatever's happening now, Correct. which we don't know. Correct. I don't. I don't want to call. It, I wouldn't call it minor. I, I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I don't, It's still terrible that that. There, I didn't want to. Yeah. How, how? What's a good way of saying that? I don't know. Like it was small. Just small. No, I wouldn't even say small because it's just like we're we're like dumbing down that like. You know, both parties are two little people with big guns. Yeah. And they acted foolishly as said diplomatically, which we need that type of... Uh, we need someone, and they need someone that's more in the diplomacy of figuring things out without throwing their guns up. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so I guess uh, one good question for uh, each of us would be, how do you personally feel from your background? Um, I'll start. So growing up in a really conservative home and in a background, um, hearing the news of what, you know, Fox News or the Jerusalem Post talking about the assassination of a terrorist, you know, as a kid, I can see myself growing up in that conservative home like, oh, wow, we got a bad guy. Like, this is good. Well, good job, America. You know, no one's going to mess with us. And I can remember even having days like that. Um, with other leaders or other men dying, uh, that I really don't remember their name or what the context was. I just remember being like, oh, America got one of the bad guys. Nice. Um, and so 
now I'm older and ha I'm thinking uh, more for myself and I'm taking what I've learned um, my instinct my or my, my instinct my first reaction is to be like sweet we got one of the bad guys but I'm trying to think okay wait is he bad I'm trying to you know go about it but that's my first reaction is is this conservative mindset good job let's go America strong um, but I, I'm trying to learn from that is that's not always the answer um, that's not always the truth and do I really want someone to to die uh, that I don't really know don't understand don't know what's going on it's kind of scary it's terrifying really when you learn that people are dying um, and I don't know why but my government is killing them and there's a conflict there and so that's my context of growing up and now I'm kind of like struggling with it and like struggling with what I believe about the situation um, so what about you guys how do you feel personally from your background about everything that's happened well I feel like perspective is really important so here we are saying that this is a terrorist our government is telling us that but there are like a good chunk of the Iranian people celebrated him as a hero and that's how they see him and they view him so who are we to say who's bad and who's good you know that that can be a very subjective thing too um so it's kind of scary that just because i think you're bad i have the justification to kill you or you know vice versa from the other side um and so like chris was saying i think a diplomatic route would have been more beneficial considering how volatile our relationship is with Iran um, to not just go ahead and and kill somebody that they deemed a national hero he was he was mourned for three days when he died they had a th yeah. three-day funeral pro you know procession for him so um, so yeah I, I think perspective especially in stuff like this and and questioning things to being like well, this is how we perceive him, but how do you see him? What What is your context of this person? I think that's really important. There was something that you said on New Year's Day when um, the riots were happening that really like changed my whole viewpoint. I was like, wow, I've never had that perspective before. But it was something to the fact of like, these are, these are like my people. And you said something, um, or... Do you remember what yeah, you said? Yeah, I do remember what I said. I, I said that um, it, whoever is considered a terrorist is within perspective. So here you are going in somebody else's home and mm -hmm. killing someone. And who who's going to be the terrorist? You're going to consider yourself, oh, I killed the terrorist. Mm -hmm. But the people whose brother you killed, whose son you killed, they're going to be like, you're the terrorist. You no. just killed my son and just came into my home and killed this person. So... Once again, perspective is really important. Um, I, I I go around thinking all the time, like the value of life and how much we appreciate or don't appreciate the significance of it. Um, right. Because when you think about it, you really have to open the scope into a very broad idea. So like kind of like the same line Safia was in, it's like, here here's like an analogy. You see your dad at the airport. He's in his, you know, uniform. He's like, hey, I'm going to go fight for democracy in this foreign land. I'm going to promote this idea of freedom for all. 
And this kid's seen his, uh, his father as like a like a hero figure. Yeah. Okay. So he goes over there. And at the same time, you have another father who's giving his son a gun and be like, protect your home. Protect your family. There are people coming over here that want to harm us, but you need to protect where you're at. You need to protect your land. And we as Americans know what that's about because mm-hmm. we're always talking about, you're not taking things away from me. This is mine. Um, I'm going to fight for what I have. And... It's easy for us to call someone a terrorist or an enemy over broad because what we're told. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, it might go both ways. So I think in all aspects, I'm not saying this person wasn't bad. He was a general. He was in charge of hundreds of thousands of people being killed, right? Um, who's to say that some of them were innocent, some weren't guilty? Um, but in fact, he's a general. Yeah. Just like we have generals here to do the same type of command that kill people that some may be innocent, some may be guilty, but at the same time he has to follow orders, just like that general. And I'm not saying that Salimani wasn't a bad person, but I don't have enough to judge someone on the fact to assassinate him in a foreign land. Sure. Just like I don't feel like us as generals of the United States or the president has the right to say that if there isn't enough evidence. Because sure. if you're going to take a life, you need to be absolutely, positively, with 100% sure this person needs to be taken out. Yeah. And I don't think we had that reassurance. I think we had the assurance that he's done some bad things um, and he's a very hostile person. But I think we went too far by assassinating him. So that was, that was my next question is... Um, is he a terrorist? I did some research, and I know that our phones now kind of give us the information that we want to find. Rather than, you know, the algorithms of searching, it kind of gives you what, you, what you've already searched in the past. Right. And I know that it can be a little distorted, but as much as research as I could find without a biased opinion, um, it seemed to me that the only uh, evidence of Soleimani being a terrorist was from the White House. Uh, Jerusalem and some people in uh, Iran so there were two trending hashtags one was we hate your president for what he's done and then the other one was thank you Trump Uh, and so I checked to see and you know because there's in Iran I'm sure there's two opposite viewpoints there too you know you have the conservative and the liberals (coughs) there as well who have each their own opinion but um, the truth is, is that we there's just no evidence that I could find of him being a terrorist and I don't know if he is I'm if he I'm not doubting that he is but I'm not also believing that he was um I'm not doubting that he was a terrorist but I'm also not believing fully that he was guilty you know what I'm saying yeah so I read that right yeah no that's right I mean you open the possibilities of different perspectives which I feel like we need to have that in order to have these conversations um I'm not sure if they have that at the White House or in the government, uh, government or the Pentagon, where it's like, um, let's let's talk about it. Let's see all the different sides. I think it's like more of like direct. Like this person did this amount of things. He's a terrible person. Let's take him out instead of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, let's look at what possibilities that he couldn't be. And I don't think that was given enough thought. Right. Yeah. It was. It was just like trust us. He's a terrorist. Yeah, we're doing the right thing. (laughs) We're doing the right thing. Yeah. And it was like, well, we have the internet to tell us more things. But the the truth is I couldn't find 
anything. There were a lot of Americans saying he's a terrorist. These are the things that he's done. But it was kind of like, well, you're ran- random lady on Facebook. Like uh, the... <laughs> Who went uh, on a rant? Yeah, yeah. the Iranian uh, Christian American yeah. who um, talked about how she's like, it's very clear that he was a terrorist. I'm not sure why people are upset about this. We got him and he has done so much harm. But it was kind of... And then she's like, I've done all these studies and this research, but it's like, you're just a viral video on Facebook how can I trust you? How can I accept this? But there are people on Facebook who accept that as truth. And they're like, oh, look, see, this proves my point. Right, right. So what would you say about that, the misleading evidence that people could say, like, well, there is so much evidence that he was a terrorist, but it's like, where are you getting the evidence from? I think the biggest thing that I would have to ask those people that, and that goes for both sides, the people that say he's a hero and the people that say he's a terrorist. I would, I would offer the ideas, like, well, since you're so focused on him being a terrorist or a hero, maybe look at the opposite point of view. Mm. Maybe if you think he's a hero, search for evidence that he's a terrorist. And maybe if he's a terrorist, search for things that he's a hero. And then go about like that. And though it may be, uh, it may make people angry in that aspect because it's going against some of their beliefs or their ideals, it's easy for us to follow something that we believe without 100% doubt. It's harder for us to follow against the grain. And it's more dangerous because it's some things that we don't know about that may offer the better solutions or better answers for us to get to a more understanding with each other. So I would just tell those people that maybe if you think that he's such a terrorist, then maybe look at the different things or the things that he's done for Iran in a positive view. And maybe if you think he's a hero, maybe look at some of the background that he's done that have been terrible. Yeah. Um, but I would tell those people to look at different perspectives before coming to a final judgment. And if you come out to the final judgment that you had before, then by all means, that's your right as a person. Right. It's your opinion. Mm-hmm. But before you do that snap judgment, I would tell you to look at a different idea. See, that's the thing that kind of gets me too, is like what gives the United States the right to be judge and jury? Like what gives us the right to decide if a foreign leader lives or dies? that's crazy to think about yeah yeah. But yeah like why why do we only because if someone were to do that there's plenty of generals i'm sure you could pick out that have killed like you were saying innocent people mm-hmm. uh just can then they'd be called a casualty of war mm-hmm. yeah. you know um it, it's pretty you know well known that even invading iraq was not a legal war it was not okay um, and so that invasion itself, it's kind of like, how did we get to that point? Like, how is it okay for us to decide who gets to live or die as a government? Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone were to do that on American soil, target a general, what what would we do? Yeah, right. Because he's the top general. And, and he was the yeah the head general like second second command in the country exactly yeah. so what gives us the right as a country to decide that I know that there's going to be a lot of people listening and they're going to probably have a lot of um, things that they would want to say they're going to be like oh I wish I was there to be like well what about this and what mm-hmm. about this um, and again we just want this to be something for you to think about with an open mind to be you know we don't we as American citizens we don't have all the information and that's clear. Um, but these are some viewpoints that we've had and questions that we've been struggling with. And I know that there's a lot of more people out there just afraid 
mm-hmm. afraid of going to war and afraid of what's going to happen. Is there going to be attack on our soil? Um, there's other people that are thinking like, no way is this going to happen. America is top dog. We're going to knock anybody out that tries to mess with us. Um, there are other people believing that we're <laughs> really doing what's what's good and what's right. And um, we're coming at it from all different uh, viewpoints. And that's good and that's healthy. Uh, and we just, again, this is just a place for us to talk about what if we're wrong or what is the opposite viewpoint of what I believe mm-hmm. because uh, something that was um, in Christian, in the scriptures, Christians is taught to seek the truth and you'll find it. Study to be, to show yourself that you're worthy of the knowledge and worthy of making a decision. Uh, and there shouldn't be impulse decisions and impulse opinions and impulse beliefs on things that are just not black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. And, one of, and one of this is, you know, one of the issues. Yeah, and then in Islam, it's it's often told you, like, question things, think about it, use your curiosity. There's no, like, closed book. Yeah. As a Muslim, you have the right in the understanding of, of questioning certain aspects of life itself. I think it's the responsibility. It's, yeah, it's your responsibility to sit back and think about it and stew about what's going on and what to happen. So in that aspect, I feel like in your religion, my religion, Safi's religion, most people are given the opportunity to question things. <clears throat> and I think that more people should use that, that right. Well, it, I think it's important, and it's one of the Founding Fathers' reasons for the way that they structured government, is to be critical of government. You have to be. It's, it's, your, it's your right as an American citizen to wonder, hey, is my government doing what they're doing in my best interest? Is this in our best interest? Like, But then again, that brings me to one of my questions, which is, should we as the American people know everything? Is it a, a threat to national security? Mm. Um, should we be told everything? Should we have total, complete transparency in government? I don't think that we can handle total transparency in government. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be given the opportunity of finding it for ourselves. But there's some things that go bump in the night that we shouldn't be told about because... It would cause a catastrophe. People would be in chaos, freaking out every day. Um, I feel like there's a certain uh, secrecy that should be kept secret. Um, but at the same time, I don't think everything should be kept as a secret. Uh, and stuff like this situation, I think, um, should be explained to us more than just, well, we took care of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah. this is just a bad guy. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why? Because we can see the progression of it, how, you know, the presidency labeled the Iranian National Revolutionary Guard um, terrorists and also called a terrorist group. Um, There's also where Iran pulled out of the nuclear deal um, and there was supposed to be talks going on about that. I don't see that holding up anymore now because of fear of nuclear weaponry. there's been seizing of oil tanks from both sides. Um, there's mainly, there's some things going on that we're not told about. Right. And I think that we should be, as citizens of the United States, told about. But at the same time, I feel like something should be hidden. Just for the sanity and the help of the people. Yeah. That's what you mean. What do you yeah. think, John? Well, I think that 
there are national security elements that the government should be like, hey, we're not telling this to you because if we do, then everyone will have this information. Because we live in a world of Twitter, <laughs> you know, yeah. where which is helpful, but also dangerous. Helpful in the, in the point that we can be constantly in aware of what's happening in the world for our safety and for the understanding truth. Like, I mean, freedom of speech is now global because of Twitter. You know, I don't know if people, I'm sure people do get in trouble for what they say on Twitter in other countries that have less freedom than we do. But at the same time, like, they can see things. Um, unless there's restrictions, I guess. I think there are restrictions. You think there are restrictions? No, I think India China, just has a ban on things too. I think yeah. China and Russia. too. But but as, but like as Americans, we can see what's going on, and we can see other people's viewpoints that we've never been able to see before. For the past, uh, how long has Twitter been around? Twelve, thirteen years. Um, and so, that that's you know, like I said, a positive, but also a negative. But we can see the truth out there. But also, someone could say the wrong thing to the wrong person so that our security as American citizens can be affected and jeopardized and jeopardized. So I think there should be some things that are confidential, but when it's something that's the whole world's watching and everyone's like, why'd you do this? Mm -hmm. He's a bad guy. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah, well, why is he bad? What, right. What's happened? What's going, what led to this? Why <laughs> seven months ago you said, Hey, we're going to knock out this guy and we're going to not going to do it for seven months. And why was it just so happening? Why did it just so happen to happen the same week as the riots and the airstrikes? That seems extremely coincidental. And yet planned in seven months in advance kind of seems a little uh, hard for me to believe. But in the age of Twitter and talking about these things, I had... Uh, I lost my train of thought. What were you, what were, you were going to say something, though, Chris, after? Um, just, I think we need to bring up a point that both countries are really harming one country that wasn't involved in the conflict. Um, mm -hmm. The assassination of that general was done uh, in Iraq, mm -hmm. right? So, in Iran, decided to do ballistic missiles in Iraq. Right. So you have a country that's basically used for a battleground, yep. already dysfunctional, yeah. already in disarray yeah. for this type of playground. And I think it's terrible, and I think we should acknowledge that both countries should not be in this country to begin with. Iran and America in Iraq. Yeah, yep. because they're causing even more conflict in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's disgusting that both countries drop bomb on a foreign land that wasn't even involved in this conflict. Um, and I also think that we need to acknowledge that both countries are at fault for the casualties that are involved in Iraq. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, what are your thoughts as well, far as that? Either, either side you're on, if you're saying, like, this is a bad guy or this is a good guy, why did we do this? Like you're saying we're getting Iraq involved in something mm -hmm. that should not happen. And people are dying for um, something that people don't have to die for. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily blame one individual in a government, you know, like I wouldn't say, oh, this is all Trump's fault. Or I wouldn't say, thank God for Trump for doing this, you know, on whatever side you're on. Because it's like, no, this is something definitely far more... Um, complex than that I feel like 
and I feel like there's something else going on like again we're not being told but that leads to the embassies you know where this kind of all started um, so is it true that America is the only country that has embassies in other parts of the world besides its own country it's one of the very few one of the very few yeah, I know other countries have embassies as well, but America has, like, little Americas everywhere. And so the question is, Iraq wants America to leave. Um, America isn't leaving. What are your thoughts on that? I think when I see it, I, I didn't honestly think about it until you guys asked me that question on New Year's Day. Um, so, why do we have embassies in, in Iraq if they don't want us there? I think it's based out of fear. Um, I think that we need that type of comfort to know that we have people there, and if we need to activate them, then we can. Mm. Um, I think it's uh, some sort of distrust that we have. But, you know, we're not the only country. You have France, you have um, the UK, some people, uh, Britain has definitely foreign embassies uh i think it's a way of keeping an eye on other countries i think china has one israel probably has one all these major countries mm -hmm. that have the ability to stretch out their military yeah. have one russia probably has plenty um but in a way it almost sounds like arrogance because it's like we can have a station in japan and we can have a station in Iraq, Iran, because those are territories we need to keep an eye on. But almost, it's almost like these are, this is our area. So you're basically taking a portion of land and saying it's your embassy, your land, but really you're invading and putting a flag where it shouldn't be. So I just looked it up. Russia actually has um, the largest amount of networks of embassies of any country. Interesting. Are we number two? Um, it says here, it also has extensive, extensive ties to countries in develop, the developing world, a legacy of Cold War diplomatic efforts to extend the Soviet Union's influence in Africa and Asia, which are now more important for commercial reasons. Um, so, so you think it's based out of fear, which I think is a good uh, viewpoint to have. I, just, um, I think it's, in, it's interesting, though, that Iraq is like, please don't be here. And yet we're not listening. Maybe um, some people would view that as it's for their own good. Um, mm -hmm. Some people would view it as, well, why don't they want us there? It must mean we can't trust them, you know, out of fear. Right. Um, should America, a good question would be, should America leave? Because no matter what side you're on, if you're like, America should leave or America should stay, the problem is, is that they don't want us there and that's not our country. And we, I mean, unless there was some sort of treaty signed in some sort of years. I'm pretty sure there was a treaty signed. But the, the, at the same time, I felt like, just like for us in the United States, if, if something happened to where it was a country, um, two countries got involved, and for some reason we got put in the crossfires of it, we would be like, you need to leave. You need to get your stuff, pack up, and get out of our land because mm -hmm. this is ours. So we should have the same mentality if the same thing happens to a foreign land. Like we, us, uh, Trump and Ali, both leaders, supreme leader and president, 
got involved with each other in some way or another our governments got involved and Iraq was in the crossfires they have the right and I feel like they should have the ability to tell another country you are not welcome here you have caused even more damage than we already have you need to leave and we should honor that but instead we flex our muscles and say we're not going anywhere like children yeah it's almost like we're bullies and we will continue to be bullies sure so um it looks like that di- diplomatic relations started with Iraq in 1930 for us to establish our embassy but it was um upgraded to an embassy in 1946 and a new building was designed in 57 and so we've been we've had an embassy there for um 80 years now Uh, Safi, do you have something you wanted to add? Uh, as far as the U.S. having embassies? Uh, the, just the, just Iraq wanting the U.S. embassy to leave, and we're not leaving. Well, I think... And maybe address the people that think that we should stay, but they don't understand the opposite viewpoint that others have. Yeah, so I could see... So we've already destabilized Iraq. Like, that's that's something that we've already done. We've, we took down a government, and... What is government? Government is stability for people. So when you lose government, you lose that that stability. So the Iraqis have had um, a lot of instability in their country. And I just think we're adding to it by using, as Chris said, uh, using Iraq as a battleground. Um, And it's, it's totally within the right of those people to not want us there. Um, and should we have even been there in the first place is the real question. And I don't think we should have ever even gone to Iraq personally. You know, that's not a war that I, I still don't... Do you don't mean the Iraq war and um, the... Yeah, the initial initiation of the Iraq war. I still don't understand why we're in Iraq. What year was that again? Remind me. Um, this was in early 2000s. When President Bush was yep, in President office. Yep, when President Bush was in office. Um... Um, so I just don't think that we should be there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of my take on it, is that we don't belong there, and for them to not want us there is totally understandable. And so your idea about it is, is that it's not our place to be involved with something that people don't want us involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a no harm to us. They're not causing any harm to us. Mm-hmm. And um, we can protect ourselves, and if we need to be, we can. But enforcing our... rule over them in certain pockets is something you think is wrong, especially if they don't want us there. Yeah, just because democracy works for America doesn't mean it needs to work for every single country. You mm. know, governments are different from... That's that's a really interesting thing to say, because I wonder what people are going to... Just because democracy works for the United States of America <laughs> doesn't mean that every country should have it. I wonder what people believe about that, if they believe that every country should be like well, America. It's because we believe we're the best. And I I don't hate on that. I do think we're one of the best countries in the world. We are. We ha- like we're it, we're so different all three of us sitting at this table, but we're able to come around, sit mm-hmm. here. We have such different backgrounds. And that's amazing. That's not something you really find in a lot of countries. Yeah. Um and then just that idea of the American dream, the rags to riches, like I've seen it happen. Um, and, and, you know, 
it's a complex issue, but um, you can you can achieve certain things that in other countries, if you were born into a certain class, there's no way you would be able to achieve them. Yeah. So, like I said, I do think we are the best, but just because it works for us, like I said, doesn't mean we need to impose it on other countries. I had um, one final question, unless you guys wanted to add some more thoughts or if you had any questions that you want to talk about. Do you guys see another world war coming uh, on? I don't, <laughs> I don't... I did at first, when it first started happening, I was like, because I know that Russia and China met with Iran to do na- Navy training, to naval training. To, Techniques? Like yeah. Um, and I was like, shoot, Russia, China, and Iran. <laughs> all meeting together what are they training for and then we assassinate the second command general of iran and i was like when they just butted up with russia and china which russia china the united states and probably great britain are the four greatest uh like powers. powers in the world yeah. i and think it goes two um, of them are on the on iran's side you know yeah. so it's kind of like it was a little terrifying but i don't think that it, it is at least not not anytime soon is it going to cause another world war um, or any a big, big war. I think the U.S. is the top in military, and then it goes Russia and then China, as far as, like, the power. But, I mean, that's not something to be proud of. Yeah. You know. There was a quote from Yoda in The Empire Strikes <laughs> Back, and I because I was watching it recently to, to uh, get ready for The Rise of Skywalker. I watched oh, okay. all of them. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. But... Yoda said something that I never noticed before, but I loved it so much. Um, Luke Skywalker on Dagobah, Empire Strikes Back, says, I'm looking for um, a great Jedi warrior. Yoda responds with, being a warrior does not make one great. Yeah, And when you when you watch the Star Wars, I think it's so funny, I'm tying this into Star Wars. No, everything's <laughs> applicable into Star Wars. Um... <laughs> But Hero's when Journey. Hero's Journey. Yes. So when you're watching it, uh, when you're watching Yoda's story in particular throughout, it, which is it's just uh, smaller to the Skywalker story, but it's a little plot line. Um, Yoda starts off with saying, you know, like, the evil that's around us, we can't really see what's going on right now. Uh, he says in the second movie, you know, we're in a war. We've lost already. The fact that we're in this war. Mm-hmm. And then he starts believing, you know what, maybe we can bring good in this war through the Clone Wars series. And then at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he's like, "The um, I failed. I thought I knew what I was doing, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then years, years later, he says that, and he realizes, although he was a great warrior, he's like, it did not make me great, though. Mm. And then he teaches that lesson later on in The Last Jedi to Luke, that failure is the greatest teacher. And then I had a friend uh, say this to me, uh, Mr. Monday, great, great wise words. He said, an experience is the cruelest. Failure is the greatest teacher and experience is the cruelest. And so I think that, like you said, having the number one, if we have the number one military, it's not, it's not something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. War is... It, it is not something that, you know, like, oh, I, I've done this and I've done this mm-hmm. in war and I beat up this dude. And um, we, should, we should be proud of the fact of how many times we've gone, had peace or we've created peace or we've been able to calm down and be like, hey, let's think about this and I won't retaliate until I understand what's going mm-hmm. on. 
That's great. Uh, last question. <clears throat> yeah, so back to the, from the Star Wars. <laughs> I just, I love that line so much, and there was a, a lot to learn from that. That's a good that. quote. That's yeah. a very good Yoda quote. Uh, last question Wars. for you guys. I love Star Wars so much. Uh, the value of life. So people have died, and um, I know we don't have too much time left. Yeah. I got about seven minutes. So um, the value of life. People have died. Americans Iraqs, Iraq, how do you? Iraqis. Iraqis, mm -hmm. thank you. I almost said Iraqis. Iranian. <laughs> well, Iranians. Uh, Iranians, Iraqis, and Americans have died during this time. Um, it makes us wonder. People are like, yeah, yeah, keep going, America, keep doing this. And then Iran's like, yeah, well, we're going to shoot you up. And then people in Iraq are dying. Uh, so the question is, what is the value of life? To our governments what is the value of life for each one of us um, I believe that each human being is created in the image of God which I know that you guys disagree with and you also have some questions about that so we'll have to talk about that on another podcast but I believe that every human being is created in the image of God and so I believe that all life is precious mm. every single life even the enemies in my life my enemies life still has value even though they're my enemy and so it hurts me whether we uh, did get a bad guy or not it hurts me that people are dying in this process, and it makes me ask the question, what is the value of life? I, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think, um, thank you. Um, I think the value of life, like you said, you can be like, yeah, I got the bad guy. But once, once again, it's who's the bad guy? Is one American life worth 10 Iraqi lives? Because that seems to be what the scale is. Or not, not exactly 10, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just, as you were saying, I think every single life is valuable. Even the lives that we don't agree with the way that they live. I still think that those are valuable lives. And people who have the potential to contribute to humanity and to society. So it's a really big shame anytime you see these drone strikes, you know that there's going to be innocent casualties. Yeah. Um, it just comes along with war or it just comes along with battle. Um, so it, every life is valuable and it's, and it's really sad to see um, us as human beings, especially with drone strikes, kind of um, separating that value because uh, Chris and I were talking about it the other day. I think drone strikes are, are really, um, have really kind of disassociated the attachment with life because you are in a totally different place and you're capable of killing somebody halfway across the world and you don't even see it happening. Mm -hmm. So you don't see that death firsthand. So I kind of think it, um, it kind of devalues the importance of what you're doing when you do a drone strike. Um, I think we need to understand seeing an individual suffering, seeing an individual pass from this world into the next. I think I really understand the value of life going and actually seeing some of the tragedies that occur. There's certain distinctive smells you can, uh, you'll never forget when you see a decomposing body or a body in general that's passed. Um, even, you don't even have to smell them. Um, Safi, we've gone to the cadaver labs where you see a corpse is being dissected. Uh, you really don't associate it until you look at something that's familiar. So if you see nail polish, mine was. Uh, it was a woman. She was around like 93 years old. She had her face covered, her hands covered, her feet covered. So when we were 
looking at this cadaver, the organs and everything, I thought, oh man, this is amazing. But as soon as I saw nail polish, I was like, man, this woman was 89 when she painted her nails. Oh my God, this is a human being. Oh my God, this is a woman that's dead. Oh my God. And I realized that this is an actual person. Mm. And I feel like if people only understood that type of connection with humanity or humans in general, maybe they would have a glimpse of what the value of life is. It's not on a scale of who's more important, who's less important. This is a human being that's been taken away from this world. Yeah. And I think we need to recognize that and not ignore it. Um, there was a, sol- uh, a soldier that had come to me that was in the Iraq war. And um, when all this had happened, he said, man, it sucks that I have to see this on TV right now. And he's like, yes, that guy was a bad guy. And he's like, but I, I don't know. And he was uh, cursing. I won't repeat exactly what he said. He's like, I don't know what is going on. I haven't known what's going on, but I've been fighting in this war for years. And now I'm out of it. And it's just like, what is America expecting? Um, and the value of life is just so much more important than what I think um, a lot of people remember. Maybe not. Uh, maybe everyone is with us on this and they're listening and that's why they're in pain or that's why they're outraged and because, you know, maybe they have the opinion, he's a terrorist. We have the value of life and we wanted him to die because he had killed people. And then other people are like, well, there's Iraq, he's dying. Um, and so uh, the scriptures teach for Christians listening to love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who want to use you. And um, we're going to end it here. We did want to say, though, that what you get from this podcast, we hope that you go away not believing everything you hear on the Internet. Think for yourself, not for your government or what your party says, but think about the truth, study, learn about things, and don't immediately react to something that you see on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google. But talk about it with friends. Uh, talk about it with us. We would love to talk about these things with you. If you have any comments, please share share the podcast. And um, we appreciate you for tuning in and listening. Remember that your life is also valuable. And we hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining us for breakfast. Yeah. Salam alaikum.